got winners, we got losers, chain smokers and boozers, and we got yuppies, we got bikers, and we've got thirsty hitchhikers, and the girls next door dress up like movie stars. got truckers, broken-hearted fools and suckers, and we got hustlers, we got fighters, early birds and all-nighters, and the veterans talk about their battle scars. Mm -hmm. I love this bar. Walking through the front door Puts a big smile on my face It ain't too far Come as you are Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Here's our host, Tom Dupree. Well, we lost Toby Keith this week, and uh, I didn't know it was going to hit me that hard. I, I have played his music on the show a few times, and just something about his style uh, that I loved, and his support for the American veterans and people in Oklahoma, his home state, that when they had hurricane or hurricane tornadoes and just seemed to have a really, 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 really big heart. And uh, anyway, um, I was thinking about this song, and if you've ever seen the video, uh, it's got a ragtag bar of all kinds of people in there. And I started thinking, that's the way I feel about downtown Lexington. It's kind of a mixture. Uh, it's one of the only places where you'll see really all levels of humanity in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, uh, <laughs> I just listened to this. Well, I was in out in Arizona visiting my boys. The, day after he died and I went to an old western bar up in a little place called Cave Creek and was having breakfast at about 7 o'clock in the morning and they put this song on uh, out of respect for Toby Keith and you know it, it brought tears to my eyes because um, For me, uh, he represents a lot of what is good about America. And uh, I know that there's many others who would think differently, but I uh, feel how I feel, and, uh, and that's uh, 
to me worth sharing. I want to talk about something else right now. Um, and it, it, I don't know why this got triggered, but I, I saw somebody say something. I've, I've heard this said a number of times. I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. It seems to be the anthem of a lot of people these days, basically saying, uh, I don't have any allegiance to a formal church or uh, any kind of uh, religious organization, but I do have a spiritual life. And in some ways, that really describes me, although uh, it is not entirely true of me because uh, we have a religious affiliation. I believe for, for me, and I can't say it for others, but for me, it's important to be affiliated with some kind of religious body. In, in my case, it's a church. It's an established church. It's a church that's been around for over a thousand years. But that's just how I view it. I believe that based on my experience and what I read in Scripture, it's really important to be affiliated with a body of other believers. I can't simply be a Lone Ranger or a Cowboy Christian. Then I start saying, well, but I am spiritual. Um, and I started thinking about this, and I, I thought, you know, what, is, what does the Bible say about religion? And it led me to the book of James in the New Testament. Now, the book of James, in many ways, has been considered controversial, especially among some of the early uh, Christian reformers because uh, the gist of it seemed to say that uh, you had to be justified not only by faith but by works. And some of the uh, grace-based reformers uh, even suggested it should be taken out of the Bible because it didn't square with maybe the other strand of theology, which would be called Pauline th theology in a, in a loose way. That's the, the theology of the Apostle Paul, which seemed to, seemed to say it's only grace and what your works are really don't matter. Um, but I can tell you that the book of James has had some... Uh, powerful adherence over the years. Um, I'll give you one example, the uh, Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 steps. Uh, the initial element of it was uh, kind of the strain of it came from the book of James. And in fact, they had considered calling AA the St. James Society. And it was decided, no, that would be have too much of a religious connotation there we go with the old religion thing again and that a lot of the alcoholics and addicts and people that had had 
in their mind, bad experiences with religion would be turned off by it. So then they didn't call it that. But uh, the book of James is a short book, but it does have some things to say that in some ways countermand uh, some of the modern or contemporary notions of what it is to be a Christian. And they talk about being religious, and they talk about religion. Now, most of uh, Christianity, certainly a lot of the uh, writings of Paul, really don't talk about religion. They talk about one's personal relationship and standing with Christ. But in the book of James, the first chapter, and verses 25 through 27, I'm going to somewhat paraphrase the the old the uh, King James version here, but whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and does not is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seems to be religious, but doesn't bridle his tongue and deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. And chapter or in verse 27 says, pure religion and undefiled before the father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. Okay, so the Bible itself does give a definition of what religion is, and it says it, it's very simple. To visit the fathers and widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, you know, I've been a reader of theology and um, commentary and the Bible itself for over 50 years, and, and I can tell you as, for a fact that there are going to be people out there, good good people of faith, who are going to simply say that is absolutely not the prerequisite for uh, being religious or um, in good standing with Christ. Many will point to the scripture that says, he that calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. You don't have to do all this other stuff. You have to call upon the name of the Lord, and that's that. However, having called upon the name of the Lord and become saved, now what's your response? Well, see, that's that's really uh, kind of the, the big question because... Where do you get your guidance for how, you know, you're going to live? How, how do you define what it is to do what you're going to do? What I have found is that uh, I look at the uh, uh, example of Jesus. He's, so here's the Son of God come to come to earth in the flesh, and yet he would spend all night in prayer at times. 
in his walking around in human form, there were there had to have been times when he didn't know what the next step was. He had to pray. He had to ask for guidance. And a part of prayer that a lot of people don't talk about, it's, it's listening. It's not saying, dear God, give me this. Dear God, give me that. And, and, and reciting a laundry list of things to pray for is to say, God, what would you have me do? And then getting quiet, sometimes for an extended period of time. Because if you don't hear what he's saying to do, you're not going to get it right. There's a, a, a scripture uh, where it talks about at the last days that, that people came before the Lord and said, uh, look what we did in your name. You know, we, we went and did this stuff that it says right here. We visited the widows and the orphans. We did this. We did that. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew me. I never knew you, or you never knew me. Was there working with the widows and orphans also informed by a relationship with God, the living Christ? Somebody who I don't know what this person's religious affiliation was, but I, I would suspect it was not that they didn't have one, told me one time to enter into a spiritual exercise and believe that you're going to know the outcome before you go in, it's not a spiritual exercise at that point. And so one might say, well, okay, if all I have to do is go out and listen, read the Bible, and be on my own, then I'm good. I don't need a church. What I have found, and I, most of the instructions I receive, I would say all of them that I adhere to over a long period of time, I receive the instruction and then my experience bore it out. And my experience and the things I've been instructed show me that I'm better off as a member of a body of believers. Now, have there been times when I found that because of where that body of believers was going, I could no longer follow them? Yes, that has happened. There is no perfect body of believers. Have there been times in, in my life when I found I was in the wilderness? I didn't have uh, that group to be attached to. Absolutely. Yes to all of it. It is not simple. Um, but I can't, then it's maybe just me. I got to read the Bible. I got to pick up 
my direction, maybe from something other than a church. You know, it could ha- it could be uh, that I get my uh, inspiration from a lot of things, but I have to be connected to. Uh, some people use the word ecclesia, and that would essentially. Um, identify the larger church believers regardless of whether they go to this church or that church or no church because there's some that just don't and they're not going to be connected to anything but that there is a wider body of believers out there who are, are praying and asking God to guide them and lead them And those are people that I need to be connected to as best I can when we find common ground to get inspiration from them, to take uh, correction from them, to maybe give them correction. It, It can be a whole lot of different things. And, you know... I've, I've been asked, well, why do you do this radio show? You, do you just like hearing yourself talk? Yeah, actually, I do. No, it's because well, here you go. I feel like... <laughs> Are you using that one? Is it time to go out? No. <laughs> oh, Lord. I want to talk about me. I can't hear you. You're not turned up very loud. We're using a new system here. Why'd you bring that up? That's you. He's talking about his girlfriend slash wife. Keep going. I want to talk about me. Hey, you made your point. I like that. You're getting better at this. <laughs> you had a long way to go at first, but you're getting it. With new equipment, I had my mic not working. Yeah, okay. You can use my mic if you want to. We're experimenting with new equipment today, and um, yeah, that that was just my input. I thought it was a perfect segue when he was saying he didn't know why he did the show. So now we know. (laughs) Yeah, that's all it is, really. It's just, you know, talking about me, okay? No, um, but yes, when somebody shares their experience, The reason to do that is to find common ground with other people who have had their own experiences. I can't not be who I am. At the same time, somebody else has an experience. Maybe maybe there are other people who've really been struggling with these ideas about, oh, you know, this church I go to. And some people jump around. They go from this church to that church. I've been accused of doing it in the past. But when I get involved, I'm all in. You know that. I mean, you know that I'm all in. 
do I have a voice now? Ooh, look, my mic's working again. <laughs> yeah, the voice you, was yeah, perfect. You are definitely all in. That's, I mean, that you're real, you're all in. What you see is what you get, and you can like what you hear or not. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I have found I've got to be connected to humanity. And for me, it's got to be a church that's being led. It doesn't have to be a denomination necessarily, but it's it's people that are trying to find, hear God's voice. How do I hear God's voice? i got to get quiet. Because there's a lot of things in my mind that are going to tell me, you should do this, you should do that. When I really examine what those things are, it's typically my ego wanting to be gratified in some way, shape, or form. And sometimes it can be very, very subtle. It can be just... You know, not something like, oh, I want a lot of money or I want to eat a lot or I want this person to like me or whatever. It can be like, I just want them to see my opinion in this situation. My opinion doesn't matter. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. If you'd like to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can always go to our website, DupreeFinancial.com, and click on the radio tab. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the show. Stay tuned. You know, talking about you makes me grin. But every now and then, I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one. Oh, my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A few months ago, we began publicly predicting lower interest rates. At the time, it seemed like a strange thing to predict, given that some of the most well-known names on Wall Street were saying the opposite. Events have proved us correct. If you disregarded our call and kept money in cash and short-term obligations like CDs and money funds, you've left quite a bit on the table. We warned against becoming complacent When the Federal Reserve begins to cut, rates will drop quickly. We were right. To find out what we think the next move is, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and make an appointment with us. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and your favorite podcast platform.
just enough. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Here's our host, Tom Dupree. This is, the video is hilarious, and you got to watch the whole thing, because Toby Keith, he definitely had the ability to laugh at himself, and, uh, you know, he, I think that's one of the biggest things about him is his sense of humor, uh, you know, the ability to laugh when he did something stupid um, I tell you another guy that can do that is believe it or not Warren Buffett who's you know in a different field but in his annual reports there is some incredible humor and at one point I almost thought that you know if Warren Buffett had not been uh, a famous investor that he has the wit uh, to have become um, a stand-up sort of deadpan comedian, kind of like Bob Newhart or somebody that way. Anyway, you know, I was thinking about what I was going to go a different direction, and I may still, but what's important um, to practice true religion, to be able to do the will of God. Not that I would ever say to you, I'm doing the will of God, you know, because I find that despite whatever praying or direction I've had, somehow there's something about saying that that seems presumptuous. Not that I've never been presumptuous before, but one of the things that has to happen, and I've learned this uh, through, strangely, not so much church, but uh, other groups that I've been a member of, is that um, one has to clean up one's past. Um, somebody told me one time that... Uh, in your 30s and 40s, you, you get out there and do a bunch of stuff and maybe into your early 50s, and then you spend the rest of your life trying to clean it up. And it's not altogether untrue. Um, people hold on too long. They, they do things that are nonproductive, and they, they keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. There's... There's a uh, sort of a profanity-laden tirade uh, from the movie The Gambler starring Mark Wahlberg. Uh, and in the movie, he is a um, guy who's a compulsive gambler. He loses lots and lots and lots of money. Uh, and then he loses a lot of his family money. And in order to pay everything back to a guy that he owes a lot, he has to go borrow from another guy. And that guy is John Goodman or played John Goodman plays the guy in the movie. And, uh, he meets him in a bar and John Goodman gives him a, a sort of a rather 
succinct summary of his situation. Uh, if you pull it up on a, a YouTube or somewhere, it's going to just John Goodman F you. Okay. So that is Goodman. Uh, good. Goodman. Yeah. Big dude. Heavy, heavy set guy. Some people say I sound like you. Every time I talk to somebody in New Orleans, Oh, I saw John Goodman the other day. You sound like you. But anyway, um, the, uh, point of it is, um, you don't continue to do really asinine things and because they can harm people and what no, what are you doing a little less talk a lot more action oh my gosh you got this new toy and see now you've got this thing I don't have to send you the songs anymore because she's sitting in front of Spotify listen to this so now she's a DJ oh wow you really this is gonna be fun you're doing an incredible job with this new piece of equipment which cost a fraction of the other one we're using i think at one point these things will be free but well there are there are apps that you can use that are free free. yeah Yeah. it's just when you use a mixer Mm -hmm. it gives you more options you know that a thing like that which is a comrex no Looks like one. It's not. It does some of the, a lot of the same stuff. Some of it better. A Comrex I looked at is going to be six grand. Yeah, I stopped you from doing that. That thing COVID. was one hundred and forty nine dollars. So what's next? Free. Anyway, they they'll want you to they'll give it to you free just so you'll put content up. It's there. like it's they'll, like name that tune. How many how many notes do you need? We'll just keep getting the so better me, equipment for less. Let me get back to what I'm trying to say. Is that it, that one there's there's a thing of cleaning up one's past now for me uh, it involved t- doing a searching moral inventory and being diligent about it and i had to do this with someone else i could not do it on my own because i can't see how i do things uh, I am spiritually blind to my own spiritual blindness. I am, and so only subscribing to just a religious practice for me, that's not going to completely do the trick. There's other things involved. I am going to have to do a searching spiritual what what do we mean when we say spiritual look for me it means looking at one's motives what is really driving me as a human being a lot of times it's going to be trying to get something i want or trying to keep from losing something that i've already got and those are going to govern my fears and if i'm operating in fear I'm almost inevitably going to hurt somebody. Now, there's different kinds of fear. There's a healthy fear. That is, I don't want to put my hand uh, on a hot stove or where there's 400 volts going through. 
I don't want to get in the line of bullets flying around. That is a, that's a healthy fear. What's an unhealthy fear? Fear for me of being embarrassed. That may be a bigger fear to some people, and I know it has been to me, and it is at times, a fear of being embarrassed or being mortified in front of people that I'm worried what they might think. That can be as big a fear as death. So what I have to do is, and, and she says, oh, let's talk about me. Well, I don't have anybody else to compare it to because, you know, there are other people that I know that look at it this way, but I can't say their story for them. I can only tell you mine. It's, it's, it's been through, uh, I've created pain and suffering in my life and at times the lives of others by being dead set on getting my way. And sometimes I will act like that uh, just something I want is the, quote, right thing. And it sort of imbues it with almost God told me to do this and this is the way it is and it's going to be like this. And, you know, I... I have been at times guilty of trying to force circumstances to go the way I wanted them to go. Now, if you can make it long enough, part of the thing that helps you deal with that is getting older. Because you see that a lot of the things that you wanted when you were in your 30s and 40s are not the same things that you want and, and want to accomplish in your 50s and 60s. So, but the the thing that I don't want to go through life having to do is to look over my shoulder and worry about running into this person or that person. Sometimes uh, there might uh, be some sort of uh, uh, thing that happened with another person where I need to make an amends for something that occurred. And that is where I need the help of someone else. Because if I go charging in and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I did da 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 and I don't think about it, I can cause more harm. There's times it's better off not to say anything or go do something else to someone else to satisfy the amends that you believe you owe to this person. It could be a organization. It could be a variety of things. If I don't do anything about cleaning up my past and potential things that I have done that were untrue, unkind, self-seeking, selfish, and that harmed another person, then it's going to be hard for me to be able to hear the voice of God or the right voice 
as I move forward in my life and know the next right thing to do. And so still, so what's going to be happening is that I'm going to be continuing to collide with circumstances. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to, I'm going to run smack dab into walls or obstructions or things that are standing in my way or seem to be an inconvenience when really what I'm trying to do or think I'm trying to do is the right thing. And it's because I haven't cleaned up my past. So, um, there, there is that element. And, um, Sometimes I look at the news and, and the the things going on in our country and uh, I feel like um, there are people, leaders, political leaders sometimes, uh, pop icons, people who are actors, uh, even business leaders, to whom people... Uh, are attracted because they sense that that person's like they are. And if it's okay for them to say this or that, then it's okay for me. So I look to leaders to justify my own actions. You know, that kind of thing goes on a lot. And, uh, I have to be careful about, sort of living my life vicariously uh, through the life of, of some other person. Now, at the same time, we all need leaders. We need uh, people to look up to. We need um, um, examples, um, you know. And I think I have to be very careful about the people that I choose to be my examples. If I feel like I'm kind of an anti-hero, then I will identify with anti-heroes. If I am interested in personal power, personal gain, could be politics, could be business, could be a lot of things, could be pleasure, then I'm going to identify with people that I see that have done a really good job of providing themselves with various types of personal gain because it makes it okay for me to do it. You see what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. Okay, when have you done that? I, you don't I don't that. want to talk about me. Talk yeah. about my no. Yeah, well, carry well, on, Tom. Sure, but I mean the point is, you know, it, it's it's easy for me to put my faith in a leader, in a political leader, in a business leader, even in a religious leader. That can be the most dangerous, right there, because this guy's hearing from God. So I'm going to follow him or she, you see, and then I don't have to look into my own heart and look at my own motives and 
But that's yeah. also very dangerous as well because looking into your own heart. No, well, no, no, looking to others without discerning yourself and and hearing what right. you're supposed to hear. You can't you can't just be a follower. So I I look at people who who follow this way or that way and Now for most people a lot of the things that I'm saying it isn't even a consideration because they go along to get along. They don't want to be identified necessarily with anything other than being a part of the crowd. And this is really a lot of people and for every human being out there, there comes a point somewhere in their lives. They have to make a moral stand about something. See, my spiritual stuff is fine, but it is useless insofar as it doesn't inform my actions. And to take an action on something, even something small, is in, in, in a way to take a moral stand, even if it's taken out the garbage. There's... There's a moral dimension to everything we do in life because it reflects on how we view life. If we view life as a cruel joke, then we will accuse others of doing it the same way because I am looking to validate my view of life. If we view life as a beautiful thing and that there are endless possibilities for good and potentially for evil, if I, there always has to be the danger in any moral choice that it can be the wrong one. If there's not the potential for it to go wrong, then the good doesn't mean anything because it's just predetermined and you didn't have to make any kind of moral choice to get there. You didn't have to you didn't have to operate any, under any pressure to not do it. There, there's a thing they say, you know, evil happens when when good men do nothing or good people do nothing. Well, I don't know how many people are really that good, including myself. I think I have the capacity to make good choices. There's a good dear friend of mine, and uh, when he was raising his son, he would say, son, make good decisions. Now that, that's strong. Because it doesn't say, son, be a good boy. What, what does that mean? It's like the word spirituality. What does that mean? But if the decision is informed by a moral choice, the moral choice being either good or evil. I mean, there really isn't a lot of comment. There's not a lot of neutral ground in there. Um, then one is capable 
of making good decisions in any situation, no matter how far down the line they've gone. For me, part of the good decisions was in the past to make sure my side of the street was clean in regards to other people. Does that mean I'm never going to get out of line again? No. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. We'll be back in just a few minutes with our financial hour. If you want to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can go to our website, dupreefinancial.com, and click on the radio tab. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned.